dark. I have a question for you. Have you heard of the fancy vigilante? The White Hood? Your not-so-friendly neighbourhood serenade is here. And in print. Issue numero uno is here, ladies and gentlemen. I've been working hard for years on this. In issue one of Serenade, we meet a vigilante who has decided to tear himself from a life of being an assassin and head down the straight and narrow road. But is he a hero? However, he comes across a ghost from his past. Is she who he thinks he is? Is he who he thinks he is? Can Serenade keep it together and do the right thing? You can pick up your copy of Serenade in print and digital download with one easy step, ladies and gentlemen. You will not be disappointed, I promise. I've been working on this book for quite some time now. My pride and joy. Just go to www.jordanmorpethart.com slash serenade. That's www.jordanmorpethart.com slash serenade. S-E-R-N-A-D-E Spelt phonetically Bitches And you can be one of the first people to read this long-awaited book by me Yours truly, Jordan Morpeth And keep up to date because Serenade number 2 is coming Then number 3, number 4, then number 5 I'm steady working on number 6 right now, ladies and gentlemen And for only $5, you can get your, your copy print free postage to everybody domestically in Australia and cheap postage internationally don't you worry it's a comic book and the graphic novel will be coming soon that's it ladies and gents that website once more was www.jordanmorpethart.com slash serenade go there now link is in the episode notes on to you, future Jordan. Blah! Hello ladies and gentlemen, how are we doing today? Welcome to Making Lemonade, the fantastic podcast about life and comic books and illustration and all that fun shit. Um, so today I will be, I've decided today's episode is going to be a very special one. Um, it is the first part of a two-part episode and said two-part episode is about uh, Easter eggs uh, from Infinity War um, to celebrate the finally the release on Blu-ray and digital download 
of Infinity War as I myself have purchased it because I am a good geek and of course I have watched it um, since purchasing said film because I will be watching this film at least 20 times over the next year um, if not more because in my personal opinion um, as you may well know I did a three-part review with three different sets of people um, three different groups of people, them being Will Lehman, um, Ben and Steve, and of course, uh, Stevie Quinn, uh, and that was the premiere episode. Um, this show is very premised on, and my my work and life as of this film has been quite influenced by this film. Um, it is very important to me, and it is such a strong film. I personally... The fact that this film exists, I don't think this film should exist. Um, it shouldn't exist. And the fact that it does, and the fact that we can now watch it from our homes, is fucking phenomenal. And I have heard little to no bad reviews about this film. So, without further ado, let's get into it. I have found... A page, an article, an old article, an old-ish article that was made back when the film came out um, on ScreenRant.com and they have put together 40 Easter eggs. Now, this is why this is going to be a two-part uh, two-part episode. 40 Easter eggs. I repeat, 40 Easter eggs. So, I'm going to do number 40 to number 20. And then we're going to do the top 20 Easter eggs um, at a later date. So let's get into it. The first Easter egg in Avengers, Marvel's Avengers Infinity War is Captain America's original armor scales. Now, there was a lot of people that said that um, the scales were not cinematic. Captain America in the original comic book style um, costume has always had scales across his chest where his star is, across his chest and his shoulders. Um, and he, he, a lot of people, you know, were a little bit disappointed when the first Avenger came out that there weren't going to be any scales on his chest. Now, in this film, where they have added scales. Um, it's quite subtle. Uh, most laymen don't notice it. But um, when I was drawing it, I did notice it when I was drawing my big Avengers uh, Marvel tribute, 10-year tribute, uh, back in March, April, uh, May-ish, just before the film came out. Um, I did notice in that design that there was a Captain America, that Captain America had some scales underneath his costume in the broken pieces of his costume. Anyway, so that's a really nice addition to... The Captain America costume and a nice little throwback. Uh, number 39, Star-Lord, a.k.a. in parentheses, Flash Gordon. Now, this is one of my favorite references in this movie. I just re As I said, I just rewatched this movie and it makes me laugh every time I see this. He looks quite... I'm looking at an image right here of Flash Gordon um, and Star-Lord and there's definitely a similarity and um, the other similarity is that we we forgot to, so Tony Stark makes this reference um, as you probably full well remember um, uh, the other similarity is that 
Flash Gordon. Now, I am not a huge Flash Gordon fan, so I'm not sure um, the specifics, but I believe he's a football player that gets jettisoned off to the galaxy and has to go and protect uh, protect Earth and the galaxy from Ming the Merciless, um, which, as you can probably tell, there's that that's the similarity to... Um, um, Flash Gordon there for, uh, to Star-Lord Star-Lord's origin story right then he probably knows Tony may be making a throwaway joke about a human in a squad of alien outlaws but he got more of Star-Lord's origin story right than he probably knows there you go okay number 38 Arrested Development's Tobias Cameo now Tobias Flumken I think that's how it's said Tobias Flumken from from Arrested Development. Now, as you may well know, you may not, uh, the Russo brothers, uh, they created, I believe, and directed um, not only, I think it's Community. uh, Yep, Community. And uh, helped launch... Help launch Arrested Development. There you go. Sorry, I was just reading real quick. Help launch Arrested Development, which is pretty freaking cool. Um, and Tobias Tobias is in the background. Tobias Funke is in the background of the collector's base or the the scene where they go to confront Thanos um, in the collector's base. So that's the that's the little cameo from Tobias himself. It says here it does not seem to be David Cross in the flesh, but the sudden appearance of a blue-skinned, moustached man looking depressed in a pair of denim cut-off shorts is unmistakable. So if you've seen Arrested Development, you know full well what that means. Okay, number thirty-seven, the planet Vormir. Uh, the theories over the location of the final Infinity Stone considered every single possibility. Uh, I'm not going to read all of that because that's a little bit uh, convoluted. The planet Vormir is located in the Kree galaxy, the dominion of the blue-skinned aliens of which Ronan the Accuser is a member. Uh, the planet home is primarily is primarily to a species of reptilian transforming creatures that first cross paths with Earth's mightiest heroes in Avengers 1.23. There you go. So that's the connection um, to... Vormir. So Vormir is uh, where the the Avengers went once, um, and so that's a nice little nice little Easter egg, and that's a place that exists within the Marvel universe itself, within the Marvel Comics universe. Uh, Infinity number thirty six. Infinity Gauntlet attack callbacks. Um, and so one of as you full well know, if you've seen. Infinity War, you'd know that some of the weirdest things happen uh, with the Reality Stone. It's quite interesting to see that they used the Reality Stone the way they did. And it was, you know, it didn't seem out of place, but it was cool as well. And it was weird and it was strange. And they didn't need to really explain it as such because it just explained itself. Um, So uh, apparently in the comic books... um, a lot of these weird attacks, like when Mantis and Drax get turned into cubes and stringy people, and um, the gun gets turned into bubbles, and I believe um, 
Or maybe it's Doctor Strange that turns something into butterflies when he's fighting Thanos. Thanos turns something into butterflies or something like that um, when he's fighting Doctor Strange. I can't remember specifically. I've only seen it three times at this point, so... Um, but I will be watching it a lot more. Um, but it says here that um, Thanos has turned Wolverine's metal skeleton to rubber. He's um, conjured an airtight box around Cyclops' head. Um, and the list of zany, zany twists go on and on. So there's that. That's a, that's a cool little Easter egg there as well. And a good little callback to the comic books. Um, okay, let's move on to the next one. Uh, number 35, the famous Thanos snap. The famous Thanos snap. In the comic book version of the Infinity War story, Thanos was completely motivated in his gathering of the Infinity Stones by his mission to erase all life. Now, a lot of comic book fans know the Thanos snap. They know that Thanos snaps his fingers with the Infinity Gauntlet on, and, and half of the universe is erased. Now, um, in the trailer, Gamora said something about this, and we all kind of went, oh shit, they're actually doing that. What we didn't realize is that the Russo brothers would torture us all, <laughs> that we didn't realize that the Russo brothers would torture us all by putting in the actual half of the universe um, to be... Erased. Now, spoilers alert. I don't know why I'm saying spoilers alert. It's been out since March. If you haven't seen it by now and you're listening to this, you're a friggin' idiot. Go and watch the movie and then come back and listen to this. Um, so, yeah, I just spoiled the movie for you, if that's the case. But you've probably seen it anyway. So, that's why you're here listening. Okay. So, that's a cool... That's number 35. On to number 34. Thor's new hammer, the ultimate Mjolnir. Uh, the subplot, uh, one look at the new weapon is all comics fans will need to see that it's based on the ultimate Mjolnir. So named because it is the weapon held by Thor in Marvel's ultimate universe. Yes, so in Marvel's ultimate universe, there is a version of Mjolnir. Mjolnir? 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 I think that's how it's said. Mjolnir? Um, <clears throat> in which it has one side as an axe and one side as a hammer. Now, Mjolnir has been around for quite some time in different iterations. Um, everyone's kind of used to Mjolnir just being the hammer hammer. Um, and in this version, um, its main feature is the half hammer, half axe blade design with his faithfully recreated, which uh, which is faithfully recreated for the movie with some help from Groot to make a handle. So, uh, and that is called... Stormbreaker, which will move us on to number 33. Beta Ray Bill's Stormbreaker reference. Okay, now, Beta Ray Bill is something I'm not going to get into because I don't 100% understand it. However, uh, Beta Ray Bill did make a appearance of sorts, perhaps more of an Easter egg appearance, um, in the in Thor Ragnarok. Um, his head was on the side of... What's Jeff Goldblum's character's name? The Supreme Leader or whatever he was. Um, on the side of Jeff Goldblum's uh, character's citadel slash hotel slash... I suppose it was a... 
think you could probably call it a, a castle. Um, so, but Beta Bill's hammer was known as Stormbreaker. Now, Beta Ray Bill has yet to make a real appearance in the Marvel Universe, but some people like to think that perhaps one day he will, which I would not be surprised after the Guardians of the Galaxy have done so after all these years. I don't think Marvel's going to stray away from a little Beta Ray Bill cameo um, in an upcoming possible Thor sequel or something like that. Uh, so that's Stormbreaker. That's number 33. On to number 32. Star-Lord's Zune Easter Egg. Now, Star-Lord gets the Zune at the end of uh, Guardians 2. Yes, Volume 2, he gets a Zune. Um, if you don't know what a Zune is, it was a competitor for the iPod uh, back in 2000 and uh, I don't really care. Um, and he receives it with 300 songs on it. Um and the first song that plays off the Zune is in Infinity War, and it is Rubber Band Man by The Spinners, of which was the song of the week back in part two, or part th- part two, I think. Part three, maybe. No, back in part three, I believe, of my Infinity War, of our Infinity War review here at Making Lemonade. Um, <clears throat> now, the interesting thing about this is that it's not a coincidence. For those eager to see if Yondu's song packed the same emotional punch as Star-Lord's mother, the rubber band man may be particularly meaningful. The story goes that producer Tom Bell wrote the song with Linda Creed for his own son, whose weight made him a target for school bullies. So it's about being a rubber band man and not putting up with people's shit and bouncing back. Um, And I think that's quite... A nice little Easter egg and a nice little uh, thing to add into Star-Lord's mythos and lore and add to kind of this, I suppose, the quote-unquote third part of Guardians of the Galaxy, maybe, kind of, not really, I suppose. Anyway, nice nice little Easter egg there. Okay, number 31, Ebony Moore versus Doctor Strange scene brought to life. Okay. Um, The spikes used to torment Strange into giving up the Time Stone are new, but Marvel Comics fans will remember this very scene being played out in the comics. So in the, I believe it says, in the early years, now I promise I've read this, I just, there's so many of them that I can't remember the specifics of them all. Uh, The miniseries that centered on Thanos and his Infinity Gauntlet may be the best known of such stories, but it's not the only time the Infinity Stones have caught Thanos' eye. Uh, More recently, Jonathan Hickman crafted a story from which most of the children of Thanos are actually inspired. And wouldn't you know it... Wouldn't you know it that comic story includes Ebony Moore messing with Doctor Strange's mind to get information too. So he's messing with, um, in the comics, he mess- he used his psychic powers to get into Doctor Strange's mind and try and get the time stone off him. So this scene is actually a scene ripped straight out of uh, the Infinity, not the Infinity War, uh, the miniseries Infinity Gauntlet, which is... Um, 
a follow-up or a later version, a newer version, I suppose, of um, the Infinity War stories and the Thanos story. So that's kind of cool that they've ripped that, that they've taken that scene and taken that bit straight out of the comic books, which is what we're looking for here. That's respecting the source material. Uh, number thirty, Rocket Raccoon's running eye joke. Um, so as you full well know. Rocket, since day one in Guardians of the Galaxy, has had an obsessive joke, um, which I think is quite hilarious and is impressive that it paid off by the time we got to Infinity War. Um, And I didn't even think of this happening. I did think of the other joke that came up um, with the Winter Soldier, where he wanted the Winter Soldier's arm, and it, you know... If they, if the the memes often said that in Civil War, you know there was a meme from Civil War where Spider Man caught the Winter Soldier's arm, and he said, you know, oh, we've got a robot arm that's so cool. Um, Rocket sent me for it, so we we kind of saw that coming at a certain point, that joke, and I'm glad that it did. I'm glad that it wasn't left aside. Um, but this part in particular, the running eye joke. Now, I don't, I wouldn't say that it's necessarily that Ravenger guy from the first movie that he's taken it from, but he has taken a prosthetic metal um, robotic eye from somebody else um, and given it to Thor. Now, I didn't see that coming. That was such a good payoff. That was absolutely one of the most hilarious parts of this entire film, and I'm so glad that they did it. Okay, number 29. We're halfway through now. Folks, halfway there. Um, Bucky Barnes, the White Wolf. Now, I'm just going to move the microphone a little closer to me. Bucky Barnes, the White Wolf. He's referred to at the end of... Uh, The name was more important than casual fans realized, suggesting in a major way that it wasn't the role of Captain America that actually lay in in Bucky's future, as it did in the comics. Okay, so there is a comic book. So that's referring to the fact that Bucky Barnes in the comic books ends up at a certain point becoming Captain America and taking on the mantle of Captain America, not unlike the Falcon does. Um, Sam Wilson. Now, a lot of people thought that Bucky would take it on. There was a whole lot of talk of um, some big names dying in Infinity War. So, where there's a lot of people that thought it would have been Iron Man. There's a lot of people that thought it may have very well have been uh, Captain America and Bucky would take on the mantle. Now, that was way too predictable for Marvel, um, for the Marvel Cinematic Universe, if you ask me. So... What they did instead was they called Bucky the White Wolf. Now, at the end of Black Panther, the Wakandan kids who are bugging Bucky call him the White Wolf when he when he wakes up in Wakanda. Uh, cool, awesome, whatever. Uh, just a nice little throwaway. I suppose it's because he's white. No, it wasn't. He's referred to as the White Wolf once you get to Infinity War. And now let me get this right. The White Wolf was the name given to T'Challa's adopted brother, a Caucasian boy abandoned in Wakanda, who was welcomed, eventually rising to the highest position in Wakanda's security. So, this person theorizes, um, and these Easter eggs theorize, that potentially, Bucky may very well become the White Wolf. Um, Which means that he might just 
stay on Wakanda, which is cool because then we'd see more Bucky Barnes beyond if they do start if they don't make another Captain America film, which I doubt they will because they've made a trilogy of the big three now. I think it's time to start moving on to making Black Panther trilogies. Um, Ant-Man, finish the Ant-Man trilogy, finish the Guardians trilogy, so on and so forth. Um, but this does not mean that Bucky can't come back as the White Wolf, which will be really cool. And that means he may very well have a really cool part to play in Black Panther 2. Okay, number 28, the Smashed Sanctum Sanctorum Callback. It's worth knowing that the Infinity Gauntlet story begins for the heroes of Earth when Silver Surfer brings the cosmic conflict to their front door. Well, technically, smashing through Doctor Strange's skylight. So, when the Hulk slash Bruce Banner smashes through the skylight of the Sanctum Sanctorum in New York, um, this is actually, and I didn't know this either until I read this, this is actually a callback to the original Infinity Gauntlet story where the Silver Surfer is comes down to warn Doctor Strange and the Avengers that Thanos is coming. Now, that's what the Hulk does as well. So that's a cool little throwback. Okay, that's number 28. Let's move on to number 27, Captain America's Nomad Suit reference. The smallest nod to his unforgettable, if dated, Nomad costume comes with the accents planted on Cap's shoulders. So, uh, Captain America's in the comic books, becomes a character called Nomad. He does what he's done in the movies. He he drops the the mantra of Captain America. Um, he decides to disappear into... Um, he gives up on America, kind of, sort of. Not really, like he just sticks to his ways, but he goes off as a sort of vigilante, I suppose. Um, I don't know too much about Nomad, but I've read a little bit. Um, and... Nomad is one of those... There's quite a few suit references to Nomad in that... Um, they call him Captain Nomad in Infinity uh, Infinity War, the film. Um, and there's not a huge amount of references, except for the fact that he grows his hair out. Um, his costume is darker and blacker, of which I suppose is just supposed to be that He's never really updated it since Civil War. He's been running around without that, roaming around without the helmet on. Um, he's got those Wakandan shields, and it's just black and dirty. However, one thing that you probably didn't pick up on was that the little gold accents on his um, shield belt, I suppose they're kind of like suspenders that run underneath his arms there. Uh, I'm looking at the image right now. There's... There's silver rounded uh, kind of buckles, but they were not always silver and rounded buckles. Now, this is a tiny little change, and there's a few tiny little changes in the suit, like no Avengers logo and so on and so forth on the shoulder. Um, the costume goes blacker, it goes darker. Um, it's less blue, it's less bright. There's not much red on it either. Um <clears throat> But those actually get a little rounder and they get golder. And this is the one thing that the Russo brothers and the costume department decided would be a good nod to the Nomad costume. However, so small, pretty freaking cool that they put it in there in the first place. And I'm all for that. 
which leads us on to number 26. Steve Rogers gets his comic book beard. Um, it was after... Uh, it was after Steve's time away from his country as Nomad that the storyline called Captain America No More arrived. Um, starting in Captain America 332, Steve gave up the title and costume to a hero named John Walker and things only went off the rails from there. Um, we won't dive into the details, ba da ba He also noted that the time off the superhero beat meant the chance to grow some serious face- facial foliage. So the long hair look um, and the beard that Chris Evans is rocking in this particular version of Captain America is actually straight out of the comics and it is straight out of Captain America 332. So Captain America grew a long blonde beard and and hair. So that's kind of cool um, while he was nomad. So that's a cool little reference. Um, on to number 25, Captain America and Black Panther reunion. Now, this is talking about um, at the end of... Civil War, the end of Civil War. Yeah, so there's supposed to be about two years between Civil War and Infinity War. Okay, so at the end of Civil War, um, there is a post-credit scene or mid-credit scene, I can't remember specifically, uh, where Captain America leaves the Winter Soldier slash Bucky um, on Wakanda, as you probably may well remember. And this is where uh, the two... There's an image, there's a shot of the two of them looking out onto Wakanda. This is just as Black Panther's return to Wakanda. And he has yet to be crowned um, the king. He's still the prince of Wakanda. And uh, isn't as experienced and hasn't gone through the... Uh, I suppose the experience of what happened in the Black Panther film um, and storyline that caused him to get to that point. Um, and Captain America is still lost and not sure where to go, not sure what to do. And there is a shot um, of the two of them looking out on Wakanda. Now, uh, what people didn't realize, and again, this is just a throwaway, this is what Easter eggs are, that two years later, there's the same shot in Infinity War of Captain America and Black Panther when Captain America gets his shield and he does the ching ching thing and he gets it going. Uh, with the pointy bit on the end, which you've probably seen in the trailer, where Captain Nomad and the now King of Wakanda, uh, T'Challa, are looking out on the battle that is about to ensue on Wakanda. Cool little thing. And when you see them side by side on this screen rent page, it's actually quite quite a cool little nod. Uh, Didn't even notice they did that, and they didn't need to. Okay, number 24, the Aliens... Homage, uh, recalling the final battle in which Ripley sends the Xenomorph Queen out of the ship's airlock, basically the same trick that was used in the first Aliens movie as well, Tony does the same to Ebony Maw. Um, Now, this is where Spider-Man says, you know, Tony says, well, what do we do now? Spider-Man says, have you seen this really old movie called Aliens? And of course, Tony has. Of course, all the people watching this film have as well, or most of the people watching this film have. And when Ebony Moore gets shot out of the airlock, um, we all full well know what happens. And that's a cool little reference. Um, And in Civil War, it was his recollection of the Battle of Hoth that brought the giant Ant-Man down 
like an Imperial AT-AT. So Spider-Man in this version seems to watch quite a few movies and he says something about the kids watch too many movies. How, how did you think of that? He says the kids watch too many movies and then he tells him off about pop culture references later. Okay, number 23, The Solar Forge Sunbeam. Um, so this is this is to do with Itri, the dwarf, when he creates the hammer, or rather Stormbreaker. Um, not Mjolnir, 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 um, Stormbreaker, and it is forged in the heart of a dying star, um, which means they need to bring the star back to life, and they need to bring the forge back to life, and so on and so forth. You've seen the movie. Um, but this is in reference to, um, the comic books where, um, at the time the Thor comics were more anchored in fantasy than later versions, meaning the dwarves who had made the hammer did so thanks to harnessing literal rays of sunlight that pierced down into their forges. So there was rays of sunlight that they were harnessing from the sun itself to make Molnir. Um, but this was still, you know, a reference to and a very important part of the movie. And it's really interesting that the Russo brothers and, and, and the other people who are writing this film and all the producers and all this kind of thing, because um, it is quite a collaborative. You can't give the Russo brothers 100% credit, Kevin as well. It's really interesting that they're using these little bits and pieces from the comic books that people don't even realize they're using. Um, that that seem like original concepts, but they're not. But they're original in their own right, um, in the way that they've been skewed a little bit and, and, and twisted. Okay, and and the cool little bits of this film that just make this film so fucking fantastic. All right, Thanos webshot comic callback. The most obvious homage to the final comics fight is Spider-Man announcing his presence by flinging a hefty dose of web directly in the face of Thanos the Mad Titan. This happens at the end of Infinity Gauntlet. Um, uh, but this is where Spider-Man gets grabbed by the, by the head and slammed into the ground by Thanos. And it, apparently it has the same impact. I need to go back and watch the Infinity Gauntlet, read the Infinity Gauntlet book. But it has the same impact in the Infinity Gauntlet comic. Um, that... Who? Thanos' newly created lover, Taraxia, who does the grabbing and slamming. It's not actually Thanos in the comic. Um, and brutal beating shortly after Thanos gets that privilege this time around. Uh, while, it's, while speaking about Spider-Man, let's move on to Easter egg number 21. We've only got two more left, guys, and then we'll do the next lot in part two. Um, I think I'm going to watch the movie first before I do, again, rather, before I do the next lot. Um, number 21, Spider-Man's Iron Spider Legs. Um, when it was first rumored that Spider-Man will be joining the MCU in time for Civil War, I'm not going to read that. That's not worth reading. Um... Peter got a new suit in Civil War, but it was a long away. It was a long way away from the official Iron Spider armor. So, in the comic books, um, what we, what a lot of us thought would happen because in the Civil War comic book, um, Spider Man joins Team Iron Man. He gets an Iron Spider suit that's given to him by um, Tony Stark and designed by Tony Stark. It's called the Iron Spider. It's got those four metal legs 
to it. Um, and he then eventually joins Team Cat because he realizes, Peter Parker realizes that what Iron Man's doing is wrong. Um, when it comes to his own moral compass. And because he is about the, the little man, he decides, or the, the, the smaller guy, the not so, you know, the guy on the ground, he decides that the best thing to do is to join Captain America. This didn't happen in the, in the movie. However, in Civil War, he did get a new suit off Iron Man, I suppose, in theory. Yes, he did, because that's the suit he ends up wearing in Homecoming. And you actually do see in Homecoming... Um, him getting the suit and, you know, he's recording it on his iPhone and all that kind of thing. Um, now, the, once we get to the end of Homecoming, you do see a suit, which is like an iron spider suit. And it's quite cool. And it's it's very fancy and very Tony Starky. Um, and... He says, nah, nah, look, I'm good, thanks, Mr. Stark. I need to be I need to be the small guy, the little guy. I need to fight for the little guy. Um, so this suit is freaking awesome. Let's stick with that. So he does. Um, you know, the Iron Spider suit appeared in a lot of the trailers. Um, we saw that he was wearing the Iron Spider suit. It was in the uh, in the poster, in the initial poster that they released for Infinity War. So it wasn't unknown that this suit was going to be worn eventually by Spider-Man um, in Infinity War. What was unknown until I think Hot Toys or some of the figurines had kind of given it away, given the... Um, that... And there's a really cool reveal in the movie as well when Spider-Man goes, flies, grabs Doctor Strange with his web and he... And he Whoa, what are those? And it grabs onto the thing and the hole, the airlock, the hole in the spaceship pulls him out of and the legs help him because um, he's not quite strong enough. Um, but yeah, the toys kind of ruined that it was the Iron Spider suit and that it had the legs and all that kind of thing. But still, very cool little thing. Uh, I think there's a lot more to be seen of this Iron Spider suit. I think Avengers 4 will definitely show us a lot more of that. Um, and yeah, uh, that's all I have to say on that. And now, finally, let's move to number 20. Number 20. Um, number 20 is Doctor Strange's Crimson Bands of Kidarak. I believe it's Kidarak. That's how it's spelled. I'm sounding it out phonetically, but I could be wrong. Kidarak. 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 Okay. Anyway. When the final battle pits the heroes against the combined might of Thanos and his Infinity Stones, Kidarak? Kydarak. Is it Kydarak? Can someone tell me how to spell that? Kydarak. The Crimson Bands of Kydarak. When the final battle pits the heroes against the combined might of Thanos, and his, and his Infinity Stones, Doctor Strange turns to one of his most iconic magical weapons, the Crimson Bands of Kitarak. Kitarak. I don't know. We'll figure it out later. Um, Kitarak. Anyway. Um, 
Aside from being a terrific magically tinged shout of frustration or amazement, the Crimson Bands of Kitarak are highly effective at wrapping and subduing even super-powered enemies. They've been used plenty of times in the comics and while not named in the movie, the red bands that envelope Thanos, envelop Thanos um, and the heroes around him are impossible to miss. So yeah, the, this, is a, uh, this is a really cool little bit. Uh, the, the Bands of Kitarak have been around for a while. Uh, I've never been able to pronounce them. I've seen them before in uh, Doctor Strangian comic books. And they're a cool little addition. Um, although Doctor Strange, the movie, did quite well, this is a cool addition, and I'm sure that there's more to come. There's the bit where he duplicates himself. He didn't do that in... But I suppose you could say that there's been a year, maybe two, maybe even two years since... Maybe even three years. How long has it been since the first Doctor Strange movie? Uh, I feel like it's at least three years, if not two. Was it? Was it last year? Anyway, I suppose if you're going to go by that, because I think Civil War has been two years since. Yes, Civil War was 2016. Um, Doctor Strange was 2016 as well. So yes, it has been two years. So if they're going by that, it's been two years since we've last seen Doctor Strange. Um, in the in the comics, sorry, in the movies. And that means he's had two years to learn a lot of shit. And he learned a lot of shit in the first movie quite quickly. So I suppose he's pretty much the Sorcerer Supreme right now. I would say that he is the Sorcerer Supreme right now. Um, that's That's pretty much what's happened, I think. Um, my battery is about to die, so, um, but yeah, so thank you guys so much for, for listening, uh, this has been part one, keep your ears and eyes peeled for part two of the Infinity War Easter eggs, I think I'm going to go back and watch Infinity War, uh, one more time before I go and do the last 20, um, but yeah guys, thank you so much for listening, uh, we've got plenty more to come, uh, plenty more to coming in the, in the future. Uh, sorry if you can hear me playing with my little Transformers toy here. I fiddle a bit. Um, I'm just in my new desk in my newly refurbished study. Um, it's fantastic. I'll give it once it's all ready to go. I'm going to put up on my YouTube and Instagram a little bit of a tour of my study and my uh, fantastic place I work in this eclectic, eclectic collection of collectibles. Um, and prints and posters, and I've got a lot of my a lot of my work put up here, um, and I'll be working very hard um, on things. Anyway, guys, thank you so much for listening. This has yet again been another Infinity War piece, um, another Infinity War review. Hopefully, we can do later. I'm going to get some people together to do some commentary. But again, guys, thank you so much for listening. Um, I'll see you on the next episode, and of course, ladies and gentlemen, don't forget. Go and make some lemonade and stay weird. There lies by table in my dreams, but I can't wait. No, I can't wake up Erase my mind Cause my conscience, it won't sleep Like it's all my fault 
Is it all my fault? Failure's not an outcome we were used to. Reality don't care about what we lose. But I won't ever say forever. No, I won't ever say it's true. 'Cause maybe if I try to leave it all behind, I'll find a turning back to you. We're maybe out of time together. Back to you, back to you. Can't just forget it.